This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's time for football. Salah. Let's take Cancelo off. Brilliant from Mo Salah. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational. Absolutely sensational. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Hello and welcome to Just for Kicks with myself, Cam Raslan. And this is going to be our second to last Friday show. So we've got a packed show, a lot to talk about with myself and Des Corkill. And delighted to be here, as always. Um, it's not the end of football, though. Local football is going on. Let's just remind you guys of that. Uh, and you will remind us again later. And we have Gogolin. Hello, hello. Uh, you know, I'm going to miss seeing all you boys, but, you know, I'll live. Yeah, Gogolin, fresh <laughs> back from Birmingham, where he attended the open-top bus parade of uh, Aston Villa's victory in sixth place. <laughs> seventh, seventh. So, oh, I'm sorry, seventh, my God. Uh, covered in glory. And uh, and we have, speaking of glory, from Nottingham Forest, well, I mean, he's here in KL, Bob Holmes. Uh, good to be here. And uh, just to, uh, in case anyone was wondering, Forrest didn't have an open top bus parade <laughs> to celebrate avoiding the drop. They should have done. They should have done. Um, anyway, so today we're going to be talking about FA Cup final, Europa League final, and then we're going to go through uh, half of the teams in the Premier League and talk about how their seasons went. And we'll finish off with motion football and perhaps a little Bundesliga too. So let's start with the upcoming FA Cup final. And Des Corkill, it's Manchester United versus Manchester City. Um, do you see Manchester United uh, overcoming the magnificence of City? Um, in, in in reality, no. But this reminds me of 1977 when I was a kid and Liverpool were going for a treble. Uh, they had Borussia Mönchengladbach in the Cup Final to come, and Man United to play in the FA Cup Final. Liverpool went in as red-hot favourites. Everyone was saying that, hey, there's only one winner here. Um, a, a treble is definitely on for Liverpool. And United had a little bit of fortune, but came and won the game because they wanted it more. They had more passion for the game. It mattered more to them than it did to Liverpool. Liverpool went on to win the European Cup for the first time. And this is ever since United made it through to the final, this has always struck me as being a parallel of that. Added factor, it's the first Manchester derby. Added factor that United are actually in form and City have tailed off just a smidgen. They ended the season with a draw and a loss in the, in the league. Let's not forget that. And, um, you know, that there is a bit of hope for Man United. Plus the fact United um, need, need, a, need a trophy. They, they haven't won the cup. They've only won the cup twice this century. I thought they'd won it an awful lot more, but looking back in the stats, um, they they haven't. So I think Manchester United need this perhaps more than Manchester City. And if you if they get just a little bit of luck, if they score the first goal, I think there's a real chance for United here to um to really upset the form book. I don't know, Goglan, Pep yeah. Guardiola. He doesn't really let uh, his players not want things. Well, to back to the argument of wanting it more, I think this City team are really and to the argument that they have trailed off a bit. Obviously, the squad has been rested because the leagues have already been won. You know, when you're battling on three fronts and this thing, you know, these are these are games that are mean, meaningless to you. So yes, they've trailed off a bit, but you have to understand who was on the uh, who was on this bench and who was who was playing. So maybe the results don't really matter. But you're right, who will want it more? But I don't think. Uh, City will let their guard down come all this way, and especially against a rival like United. You know, this is a derby game. Pep would rile them up. I agree that this is football and this is that magic of the FA Cup. Anything can happen, but 
from a from a professional standpoint of view, I think City will have this wrapped up in the first half. Okay, well, Bob, here's me desperately trying to talk up a game that uh, everyone seems to think City's going to win. Harry Maguire has said that only he knows how to stop Haaland. And, uh, <laughs> yes, he really said that. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> something to that effect. And let's remember, as uh, Goglin mentioned, uh, uh, you know, City lost their, their last match and drew the one before that. So they're, they're, on, a, they're on a dip. Oh, absolutely. Uh, season's over for them, yeah. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, I don't think this needs any talking up. I mean, I, as a neutral, I am really, really looking forward to this. I think um, the way it's just panned out, uh, 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 City are trying to do what United did in 1999, the only time that this particular treble has been won. And uh, United will be absolutely determined to stop them snatching that bit of history or or having to share that history with them. Make no mistake about that. And I think United has a genuine chance here. I think City will are bound to be favourites, but not overwhelming favourites. It's a 90-minute game or 90-plus minutes. It could come down to penalties. You know, it could be a lottery. Or, or City could win comfortably and then ease up and and uh, save a couple of players for for next week because they'll have that on their minds as well. That complicates the matter for City. And Pep doesn't need any extra complications. He's quite capable of complicating it too much himself. So I think United, with just this one focus, I think that they have got actually quite a, a good shout at this. I really do. City City's last competitive game was against Real Madrid, if you call that competitive. I mean, um, it's a while ago, isn't it? And, okay, you can say they've um, rested players and celebrated and drunk all the alcohol in Manchester, as Pep put it, um, all that. But they've still got to come out and get their act together against their bitter rivals and neighbours who will be really out to get them. And I think that they, they might just stumble. So, so call it then, uh, Bob Holmes. You know, say it. After all that, I, okay. I've, I've got a sneaking yeah, city feeling. five nil. <laughs> <laughs> no, not five four. <laughs> no. no, I. No, I've again, I, I understand feeling. what Bob is trying to got say. A sneaking from a neutral point of United view, United yeah. can this. Yeah. Uh, Google and who? Your your your. No, I I, I think City will think, but City will win this, but not comfortably. I, I don't think they'll wrap it up in the first half. I was just you just said laugh. you just said they I was were. having a laugh. Was having a laugh. <laughs> but you know it, this is the FA Cup final again. You know what I'm echoing what Bob and Dez are saying. These are guys who are you know we brought up in the FA Cup finals. We all know what the FA Cup final used to mean to us. You know, mm. back in the day. You know. So, yeah. And so okay, all right. So and then so Dez- yeah. So this this we will go down to the wire. And as as a neutral, it is a great final to watch. Uh, Okay. And then Des, who do you think is going to win? If United score first, United have a chance. But I I think City. If City score, it could be two or three or four. Who do you want to win? Who do you want to win this? I want them to both to lose passionately. Because <laughs> that's how it works. Yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> well, let's let's move on then to a final that has happened, the Europa League final. Uh, it ended after extra time 1-1 to Roma and Sevilla. And then Sevilla came through 4-1 on penalties and won their seventh. Is it right? Seventh Europa League uh, final. Quite incredible. Um and yet, uh, Des, ultimately, the match is about Jose Mourinho 
and refereeing decisions. Yes. Um, gosh, it's it's about Mourinho because of his reaction to the referee's decisions and his trash talk afterwards. And uh, Anthony Taylor, the 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 the, um, the referee, um, was nearly assaulted in the airport going home. This is the with, impact, with his family. With his family. This yeah. this is the impact of. Um, the press or the reactions from managers and coaches going public and, and being taken into the, the public sphere. Did he have a point? Possibly. A penalty was overturned by VAR um, that went against Roma. Um, did Anthony Taylor make a couple of small errors? Yes, he did. Did he um, referee the, 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 the final well? Yes. Did Roma uh, try to come out and play? Well, were Roma disgusting in their play, play acting and their antics? Absolutely. Were severe. Uh, trying to chase the referee in reaction to Roma. Absolutely. Was this a horrible game of football to watch? And I uh, sadly watched it uh, right the way through. It was it, it was horrible. It was really it was a disgrace. It was a disgrace. Uh, yeah, I mean, teams. it wasn't it wasn't uh, it wasn't champion football. It wasn't. Neither team tried to play. Football. But Des, can I ask a question? What, why why did they retake that last penalty? Was there was not much encroachment? So uh, uh, he he was off the line. Um, the, yeah, but the, there was the, so much Bono. You know, they they showed the other ones. Uh, for the um, for, in the penalty shootout, he was off. The yeah, line. I'm talking about the penalty shootout. Yeah, no, he he was off the line. So it, it's a correct decision. I, I think it's a horrible, uh, a anal thing, but it's a correct decision by the referee because he's off yeah. the line. Um, um, but the yeah. fo the football was just miserable. And Mourinho has done this so often. Uh, he's one of those managers that you want don't want to watch. You just want to read about because it's entertaining if you read yeah. about uh, about it. But when you watch it and when you see the consequences, this was despicable, despicable. Bob, you have 30 seconds to uh, uh, cast your judgment on the well, match. I'll agree with the guys. I mean, it was a repeat of the Porto win over Celtic 20 years yes. ago. Yes. When Before Mourinho um, yes. went to Chelsea. In fact, it was one of the, I think the Porto won the treble and might have even been the quadruple that year. That's yeah. how he got the job at Chelsea because he won everything. But that performance against Celtic was absolutely disgusting. Martin O'Neill was managing Celtic at the time, and he said he'd never experienced anything like it. Um, I'll, it there's a word for it. It, it ends with housery, but uh, <laughs> I better not say the first bit. It's, it's something similar to chicanery, only a lot worse. I, th I think we get, we, get the, I, we get the idea. <laughs> you get the idea. Okay. No yes, more Bob, on that. No, 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 yeah, we yeah. Get it. Every trick in the book, and it backfired. Uh, you know, in the end, uh, I think uh, Sevilla were slightly less culpable for for all that than uh, Roma. So they they had the um, they got the results. So absolutely, and and on. and Mourinho should just teach his players how to take penalties. Um, you know, that's what he should do. So anyway, <laughs> we'll move on. And congratulations to Sevilla yet again. And we're going to talk. In part two, we're going to start going through the Premier League teams one by one and discuss their achievements and their failures in this season uh, here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Welcome back to a two-part, as it were, Just for Kicks. And we're going to go through the uh, Premier League clubs one by one uh, with Des, Bob and Goglan, I'm going to start with, surprisingly, what is actually the first team in the alphabetical order, AFC Bournemouth, uh, with Des Corkill. We don't talk about Bournemouth a lot, but they've had a, actually a magnificent season, really. 
Finished 15th, 39 points. Uh, pre-season, I had predicted them bottom. I had them relegated along with Southampton. So um, they, they did well, but there was a late overachievement after the Gary O'Neill appointment. Um, the high points were that incredible 3-2 away win at Tottenham, which I think gave them belief late on in the season. They had a week where they beat Everton in both the league, uh, league and the Cup. And then they had um, six wins in nine between March uh, the 9th and April the 20th. And that really turned their game. Six six wins is 18 points. That's half the number of points that you need in um, uh, to, to stay in. So they had their high points and they overachieved definitely uh, since Gary O'Neill went in. Their low point was the, the start of the season that they had, um, culminating in Scott Parker's dismissal after a 9-0 Defeat against Liverpool, who had a, a weird old season. Uh, but Sc- Scotty Parker, he thought Bournemouth would be relegated. I was convinced they would be relegated. Um, but, you know, they, they, they've overachieved. What they do next summer, hmm, that's an interesting one because they've ended the season on four defeats. And I really do think that that is what Bournemouth are. They didn't invest in the team uh, in the summer. Uh, summer just done. They've had a late escape. I don't know whether they're good enough to do it again. I don't know whether they've got the money to purchase the players that they need to do it again. But uh, credit to them, 15th uh, in a season when they were expected to go down by many, uh, especially me, um, is, is, a, is a good job by Gary O'Neill and Bournemouth and remarkable that a team of that size is in the top flight. And so uh, in terms of achievements, underachievements, out of 10, you'd give them, what, a six? A seven, a seven for for, for staying in comfortably in the, in the top flight. Okay. And now we turn to a team, which actually I realize in each episode that I haven't mentioned, I haven't even brought attention to for the last, I don't know, five episodes. They're called Arsenal. They came second. (laughs) Bob, uh, they kind of, you know, tailed off at the end. Did they blow it? But they led for such a long time and no one really had them up as uh, winners at the beginning of the season. No, they led for 248 days. Now that's, uh, that's a long time. Um, indeed, nobody, well, a few people, um, but probably not themselves, had them up as uh, top four uh, winners, uh, well, to get in the top four. Um, but the belief uh, grew because they got off to a flying start. And uh, I think you have to put uh, this down as overachievement as well. So uh, it, I think the, the fact that they ended disappointingly has given a a, a bit of a false um sort of feeling to the, uh, how you rate their season and the mood of the arsenal fans but i think the longer it goes on they'll realize that actually they ha- they had a great season and they were only beaten by one of the great teams of modern times manchester city so really it was an outstanding season they would have won the title had it not been for city because they were miles ahead of anybody else. So it's a bit of a a mixed bag. Um, They had some outstanding successes. I mean, Ramsdale, Saka, Odegaard, uh, Zinchenko were the stars. Um, I think Arteta did very well. Uh, He bought sensibly. He bolstered the side in um, the January window with Jorginho and Trossard, who Trossard particularly uh, did very well. Um, his buying at the beginning, Jesus and Zinchenko notably. So they had a very good season and they'll be strong contenders for top four next season. Will they? Will they? Will they? I think they will. I think they will. They. This is a good side. This is a good side. There are weaknesses. They need an out-and-out goal scorer. 
Jesus is not a natural number nine. I mean, he's a very, very good player, very talented player. But I don't think anyone, even Pep, has actually found his best position. Pep mm. tried him on the wing mm. with only partial success because he's he's got so much talent, the lad. But he's not that big, although he is half decent in the air. You know, he's got two good feet. But where do you play him? Where do you get well, the most out of him? Yeah, well, I think I think that Pep did find the right position, and it was in Arsenal. Um, <laughs> so, uh, out of ten, then Bob, would you? How would you oh, say? I give them eight. I, I give them eight, eight point five. Wow. Really, I think they had a very good season. I can understand the fans being disappointed, but get over it. You had a great season. Eight point five. You're hard to please. <laughs> what would you give them? I mean, come on. They, they no one had them down. I think that you could say ten. You could say ten. No, no, no. You can't give ten. You can only give City the only team you could give ten to. Okay, we turn to a team which you can give eleven to. You can turn this. You can turn Aston Villa up to eleven. Um, Gogolin, your your face is painted in claret and blue right now. And uh, I mean, how how about this Aston Villa? Yeah, I mean, if you're doing reviews of the season, you know, it's 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 from. A, I've, I've been on the show for what now, good over twelve years, I think, and you know. And it hasn't been pretty for Villa fan from a Villa fan point of view. So well, yeah, well, three of them you were silent on the. On the yeah, show. I know. I, I was on mute most of the time. <laughs> so I was like, you know, this season. I was thinking back and I was reading the reviews of the season and all that. It is, it is, it is a dream come true for this season. For from how when we went from seventeen to seventh, you know, and I, we are in Europe. You know, this is an Aston Villa side that I, I even I, I don't even remember when is the last time I was. We were in Europe, which is the UEFA Cup, before it was even called the Europa League. So for Villa to come back from to with this squad that they had, you know, they were languishing at 17th. He added on one player, Unai Emery has transformed this team, not only by just being manager, but by man management, by tactics, by you know, instilling his whole belief throughout the league. He, he's Ted Lasso, the whole team. He's basically done that. And I really don't know what else to say from a Villa point of view. And we're looking at players coming in now because of Emery. We are looking at the continent. You know, we have Marco Asensio on the radar. We have players, so many players on the radar. It's it's good. It's a good time to be a Villa fan. Yeah, I got, I got to say, I've never seen you. Not just so happy, but even remotely happy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I would give them a 9 out of 10 for this season. Wow. Okay. And if they actually move to 6th next season, can you imagine what the... Uh what the excitement will be in Goglin's household. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, a team who, uh, Des, Brentford, we never, I got. I, I admit failure, we don't talk about Brentford enough, but they have, since their arrival in the Premier League, almost immediately on day one, they've looked like a Premier League team and no one has, they've never been in any doubt about uh, relegation. I get that they massively overachieved. Um, I, I don't think many people had them going sh uh, uh, straight back down because of their physicality. Um, I think many people have, uh, have been impressed by them, but I've just seen them as kind of a, a big thuggish team. I've seen them a little bit Burnley or a little bit uh, Wimbledon of, of the 80s. They're big and strong and they bully you and they win the battles and they get the ball into the penalty area. Nothing wrong with that. It's it's just uh, in the 2023 purist world, it, it's not the best. They're fortunate in that they've got Tony and Mbwana up front. Mbwana, I think, is massively underrated. Tony gets all, all the credit. And that, that front pairing has been the real outstanding element for them. They started off with that 4-0 win over Man United. They won at Manchester City 
don't forget as well. A smashing grab, but they they won at City. That proves City can be beaten. Um, but you know, you know it, it, yes, they've overachieved. But I I do think if they lose that um uh, that strike rate of of Tony and and one and and Tony's in, um, suspended for a large chunk of the starter next year. Yeah. Then I think they might struggle. Pre World Cup, they only had two wins in twelve. Post World Cup, they were able to reassemble and and they use the the, the World Cup break uh, really well. And they've been very very good since the World Cup. But only two in twelve pre pre the World Cup, and they've got the Tony ban. So I think uh, that for for this year, yes, it's it's a, a seven on ten. It's a, a very good effort. They've they've overachieved, but whether they're able to maintain it and add depth to the squad, I'm not sure. I think they might be found out um, next season, and they, it could be a little bit more of a struggle. So seven on ten for this year, but worries for next year. Do we know when Ivan Tony's um, ban elapses? Eight, it's eight months, so it'll be after Christmas. Oh, it's eight months. That was eight games. No, eight months. No, eight oh. months. Because oh, he was he he. I mean, he was admitting on betting yeah, yeah. on uh, matches that he was involved with. Mm, yeah, it yeah. changed. The story changed, didn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. But um, I think uh, Des, I think you've been a bit harsh on Brentford, comparing them to Wimbledon. Bit thuggish. Wimbledon were very successful. I, I, physical. Yeah, physical, physical, but they can also yeah, play football. Exactly, they play with some really good football. They play the, the ball up to Tony, and he plays off and wins. Ah, you can't say them. that. They, they, they played they, some really good football. Tony was just oh, the focal point of that attack, but they played some really how, good football. Look how much they rely on set plays, and they get bodies in the box, and the second ball is is what they are. It's it's good old fashioned British stuff. I love it. Of course, I do. I I enjoyed Wimbledon back in the day. Uh, <laughs> who, who couldn't? <laughs> the crazy uh, game. Yeah. So Bob. Meanwhile, though. Brighton, Brighton and Hove Albion. I always forget the and Hove Albion. That actually might be the part that's actually got the genius as well. Uh, <laughs> Brighton, uh, they've done very well. They've uh, finished in Europe at sixth. And Roberto De Zerbi, um, he's done something uh, from taking over. Well, I don't know. What has he done? Well, he's, uh, he's stepped up from Potter Ball, hasn't he? Um, it's hard to believe that when, um, sorry for reminding you of this, United fans, but when Brighton beat Manchester United in the second game, I think it was, of the season, Brentford having beaten them already, or it might be the other way around, Graham Potter was actually managing Brighton. And little did we know what would happen the rest of the season. Shortly, Potter was off to Chelsea. And Roberto Di Zerbi came in, and he was a relatively unknown manager in the UK, well, pretty well unknown. And he uh, he lost his first three games, so it didn't look great. But suddenly he turned them round and he turned them into a goal-scoring team, which you can never remember Brighton being. Mm. They played some half-decent football in the last few years under Potter, but they couldn't score goals. That was always the problem. And he somehow tweaked the formation and they started scoring. But he also benefited from the emergence of a teenage Irish centre forward. Now, Irish centre forwards are rather few and far between, but they've got somebody rather special in Ewan Ferguson. No relation to Sir Alex. But he is he is going to be uh, headhunted. He's going to be going off to a top six club in a season or two, but watch the name Ferguson. He's, he's got everything. He's a big guy. He's got pace. He can head a ball two footed. 
He's, so he's got a star there. But, but, he's but, but all- Bob, Bob, I'm sorry, Brighton are a top six club. And and they've yeah, got right. every a normal, right. I think they'll stay there, six, though. Well, you don't think they're going to stay there? A normal top six club. Well, they're in Europe, and I think they're going to take Europe seriously. This is a dream for, for Brighton fans. Uh, I said a couple of weeks ago on the show, they didn't even have a ground 20 years ago. I mean, it's an incredible achievement of what Brighton has done. Absolutely. From the brink of extinction to playing in Europe, the Europa League, not the conference, the Europa League. Uh, magnificent. And the organization behind it, I went on about the scouting and how they pick up these guys in South America. Enciso, I mean, look at him, 19 years old, Paraguayan international. Where do they find him? Paid Tuttons Hatney for him. I mean, he's he's worth 30 or 40 million already, probably increase his value uh, beyond 50 or 60 next season. Uh, they sold Cucurella to Chelsea for 65 million, replaced him with somebody even better. Estupinan played in the World Cup. Outstanding. I mean, the, the database for Brighton is claimed to be the best in the world, mm. set up by this uh, betting wizard, Tony Bloom. Uh, betting genius, poker-playing genius. I mean, you know, he's he's made millions from pe- playing poker. And uh, he's built this Brighton side up, and it's an absolutely fantastic Hollywood-type story. So, therefore, Bob, out of 10, you would give them? Oh, you, I'd, I'd give them nine. I would give them nine. Right. Never right. give 10. Never give Oh, clearly not. Yeah, yeah. You're the kind of people that uh, grab drivers hate. Uh, and then Gogolin the the teams I've really been looking forward to talking about Chelsea uh, a disastrous season finishing 12th it's hard to imagine the next season will be as bad as this one what went wrong how can they make it go right I think in every award flop of the season Chelsea will be up there (laughs) together with Todd Bowley you know I have really no idea what he was trying to do when he sacked Tuchel hired Potter Sack Potter, put Lampard of all people in interim charge. And they were lucky not to get relegated. This Chelsea squad who spent God knows how much, about 200 or 300 in January alone with a squad of you know players from all over the world, in, in, in a mixed match of players who had no, there was, there was no ambition, there was no clear directive, players were playing in and out. Potter was sometimes not sure what he was trying to do when he was playing players out of position. In the players just lost the mood. You could see it in the in the dressing room. You could see some shots on social media of the players just not even talking to each other. They didn't even so there was not there was no team there. It was just a mixed match of players put together. So again, the flop of the season uh, title I would give to Chelsea. Don't give put a number on it then. Out of ten, go on, go on. Minus one. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to disagree. It's hard to disagree with that. It's it's been an embarrassment and it's been fun to watch. Uh, apologies. It's been fun to watch, yes. <laughs> yeah, ap- apologies to Chelsea fans, but but not not really. Uh, anyway, we move on. And in a moment, we will continue. But for now, we take a quick, quick, quick break. A quick break here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Just for Kicks with Bob Holmes, Goglin, and Des Corkill. We continue alphabetical order. Bob Holmes, Crystal Palace, they had a great season last season. Uh, didn't work out quite so well this season. But uh, they ended up with a young manager. Uh, <laughs> with a, No, actually, no, seriously, with a, with a strange, I mean, brand new vision for, for how to play football. Uh, uh, 
considering how he normally plays football. It's still an old man's game, eh? <laughs> uh, amazing, really. Uh, yes, high hopes at the start. Uh, Patrick Vieira did a, a pretty decent job last year. He seemed to be um, taking to the managerial duties uh, as if to the manner born. Um, but it didn't, it didn't go for him. Um, hard to put your finger on it, but they seldom scored. And uh, he, they had one or two niggling injuries, but there was a kind of lack of direction and lack of discipline. And some of their fans have been writing in and saying that uh, although Patrick Vieira was known as a, as a hard man, as a player, he's actually uh, a bit too soft as a manager. He's yeah. very soft-spoken. And he was also a bit lax in, in, uh, with his discipline. There were tales of... Uh, players not turning up for training, being late, and this kind of thing, hmm. and it doesn't take much for for that the rot to set in. And they were never really in danger of going down, but as is their want, directors panic, and there was a mathematical chance of them going down. Uh, that when there were nine possible candidates for the drop, remember that as about uh, January, February time. And they panicked, they sacked Vieira, and of all people, they appoint Roy Hodgson, aged 75. And lo and behold, they go and score five in their second game. I think the 5-1 win at Leeds, they'd already won at home two or three. Hodgson had never coached a team that had won by five goals in a 30- or 40-year <laughs> career. We're all over the continent, with England, with Crystal Palace mainly, um, no, they never played like that before. And it was as if it was like a, a grandfather being, being a hard man, you know, throughout his life. And then suddenly when he's in his dotage, he changes personality and becomes very soft and a happy go lucky guy. And West, uh, Crystal Palace responded in kind. And it was as if the shackles were off. And they started scoring goals. And the two main beneficiaries were uh, uh, Eberichi Ize and uh, Olise. Who, who are good players. I mean, they're good, they're good players. Outstanding, yeah. yeah. And Ize has got into the England uh, yeah. squad on the basis of the last few games. We knew he was a talented player, but he was kind of keeping it hidden for most of the season. But he's really flourished under Hodgson. And Southgate has picked him for England. So, so, but, but, Bob, is is Hodgson going to be there next year? Well, it's not clear. Uh, they're still making up their minds. There's talk of uh, of him carrying on with a young coach who took over for one game, uh, McCarthy. I can't remember his first name. An ex-player. When Vieira was sacked, uh, I think they gave the job to McCarthy, who's a highly rated young coach. Uh, so they think that. Under Hodgson, he might learn a few things. And mm. then when Hodgson finally decides he's too old, McCarthy will take over from him. So well, I think that's the thinking, although it's not yet been confirmed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, but it that's, makes some sense. That's the system they tried to do in the late Roman Empire, and it didn't work. Um, <laughs> some, Hodgson could end up anyway. But uh, out of 10, Bob? Oh, uh, you'd, you'd have to only give six and a half, I think, to oh. Palace. It's more than I expected yeah. you to And, and yeah. half of those would go to Hodgson, not Vieira. Right, right. Okay. Meanwhile, though, our Mer Merseyside correspondent, Des Everton, managed to, um, I don't know, how many years in a row now has this been a relegation dogfight battle for them? 
Bizar- bizarrely, it's only two. It seems like an awful lot more, but um, they, they, they've, they've had some very good managers, don't forget. Carlo Ancelotti wasn't, was there not long mm. ago. But where to start with Everton this year? Gosh, at, at the start of the season, there was, there was optimism because um, uh, Frank Lampard had got them through at the end of, of last year. And there was some optimism that Lampard might be a good coach. I, I think he's uh, rather tarnished his copybook this year. Um, Everton went through a, a, a dreadful spell. I've got to say that the uh, absence of Dominic Calvert-Lewin really hurt um, because he's a, a very, very good footballer. When he played for Everton towards the end of the season, they looked a much better team, more likely to score goals. But in his absence, they just could not score goals. They were less than a goal a game throughout the Frank Lampard era. And then Lampard went on a dreadful run um, and eventually had to be sacked. But Everton were just not scoring goals. In comes Sean Dyche. Immediately, he changes things. 18 matches he, he was in charge of. Five of those were victories. Four of them by one goal to nil, including that the, the last match of the season, of course, um, against Bournemouth. His first match in charge of 1-0 at Goodison against uh, Arsenal. There were also two last-minute equalisers, last-kick equalisers, one against Tottenham and one against uh, Wolves away. And then that remarkable 5-1 win at Brighton. And those games, those moments uh, were in it, were just enough for Sean Dyche to, to pick Everton up by their bootstraps and uh, get them, uh, maintain their place in, in the top flight. It was a late reprieve. Sean Dyche uh, did a Burnley on them, made them a little bit more difficult to beat and added certain resilience in there. So Ever- Everton stay up. Jordan Pickford was by yeah. far their best player. By far, and if if they'd have gone down and Pickford had gone down, you're worried about Everton uh, completely. The low point of the season, uh, there the, the, the were those two Bournemouth defeats in, in a week, which saw the end of Lampard. Attacks on the board, verbal, and it's reported physical, but there's no proof of the, the physical attacks. But certainly one or two of the, the board members are not welcome at Goodison Park. Uh, for next year, well, everyone's saying sack the board, but I don't know what you do to replace a billionaire who's putting money into a club. He is putting money into a club. It just needs to be redirected better at better footballers. Um, and there, therein lies a, a choice for director of football. And Sean Dyche needs people who can score goals. Defensively, they're OK. He needs players to score goals and he needs to hold on to Jordan Pickford. But it's a long road back up for Everton. But thankfully, for the City of Liverpool, they survive. And, and it's Sean Dyche next year? Sean Dyche next year, yes. He'll be allowed yeah. to plan. He'll be allowed to plan. It's a four on ten, being generous for the for the Blues. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Meanwhile, uh, Gogolin, Fulham again, a team we haven't talked about enough, and I certainly had them going straight back down this season. But they've they've really uh, achieved well. Fifteen, uh, sorry, tenth. Uh, my goodness, tenth. Uh, Fulham, what went right? Well, I think Marco Silva kept them really. That, that's what basically it. Marco Silva played. I mean, he was also another revelation. I don't understand how he was sacked uh, or he left. But Fulham again with the players that they had, Tete and uh, Chabola and you know, Mitrovic, all played, made them really competitive. And for them to finish tenth is really a testament to Marco Silva. Again, you have to understand. Since 1983, Fulham have never finished above Chelsea, and <laughs> so this <laughs> and that you know. That is already a big win for them. So again, we didn't speak much about Fulham, but they went about doing their work quietly, gave the big guys a bit of a surprise and a comfortable 10th when we uh, all thought they're going to get uh, go back uh, straight back down again. Are they going to have a difficult second season though? Yeah, well, yeah, you know, it happens. Well, yeah, it happens. It definitely happens. You know, I, I'm, 
let, let me say I was the one who on the season, uh, the season the Leicester won the league. I I was up for them to be relegated. So then uh, ask me. Well, okay. <laughs> and uh, out of ten, Gogolin? Uh decent eight. Ooh, eight. Don't yeah. Bob Bob won't go for that. <laughs> Bob, uh, Bob Bob doesn't do eight. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that though, Bob Leeds. They're definitely not gonna they're not gonna get danger of an eight there. Yeah, no danger of an eight there. <laughs> um wow. It's what a season, goodness. Yeah, uh, I think you've got to go back a bit. Um, the uh, not too the far, seeds, though, Bob. Not too far. Not too far. Not too far. Uh, one season only. Um, the seeds, even the roots of this, were uh, found when uh, Bielsa was sacked. Um, Bielsa hugely overachieved to get the side up in the first place, and then keep them up. Is incredible because they're essentially championship players, Leeds, and uh, and then to uh, <clears throat> excuse me to uh, sack Bielsa and appoint a guy like Jesse Marsh. Um, no, you're going from a an Argentinian legend to an American rookie, uh, and the change was was just too much. Somehow he managed to keep them up, but with hindsight, it. Might almost have been better if they'd gone down last season and got the pain over with. Now they're looking in a real mess because they've got a lot of players who are just not good enough, and yet there's no re, uh, resale value. The only one that's worth anything is is probably Nonto, and nobody can find out how much they paid for him. It's always undisclosed, which suggests some kind of dodgy deal. No, that's any. Speaking of dodgy (laughs) deals, the latest news on the owner, uh, Radrizani, is that he's put Elland Road, the ground, down as collateral for an attempt to buy Sampdoria in Italy. Imagine that if it goes pear shaped. What the bank, an Italian bank, is probably going to end up with Elland Road. What mm. are they going to do with it? You know, mm. probably knock it down and build houses. I mean, mm. this this is outrageous. I don't think it's even legal. Um, I think the Premier League might have something to say about it. But this is the type of owner you have. He didn't even turn up for the do or die game against Spurs when they could have stayed up. I mean, you know, he was busy negotiating in Italy. No, it's been an absolute disaster. And I'd, as I say, it's hard to see hard to see a way out. Okay, well, then I'm looking forward to the number that you're going to give out of 10. <laughs> uh, can, can you match overall, Chelsea's negative one? Well, it's, um, it's, it's on a par with that, isn't it? It's on a par with that. Yeah, you'd have to say minus. Yeah, minus oh, one. Okay. Uh, Sam Doria, by the way, also got relegated. So uh, he's really got the Midas touch. I think. <laughs> yes, I've got a business sense is going on there. <laughs> uh, Gogolin, speaking of relegation, Leicester City, they'd won the, the Premier League just what in 2016. Now they're out. Um, there are a lot of good players in that squad uh, who can now presumably go off to other clubs. Well, again, I was really surprised about this. How Le- I really didn't expect Leicester to go down. You know, I expected Everton and Leeds and Southampton to take the drop. So with the squad they had, you know, Harvey Barnes, Jane Madison, and then when they hired Dino Smith to come in, I was really, really thought they would do it. And you know, they gave themselves a chance, but it was a bit too late. And 
They, I, I think they, I don't know how they're going to rebuild. They, they have to sell their stuff. Harvey Barnes, Madison are going to leave. You know, these are players on big contracts, wanted by the big clubs. So they will have to rebuild. And if they stick with Dean Smith, is this is he only contracted for the end of the season, or is it for is it a contract until the end of the season? End of the but season, a, right. a candidate to stay on. Mm. Yeah. So again, your question is if they're going to come back up. You know, uh, it's it's the championship is really tough, but Dino Smith will know how to get them out. Yeah, but you know, Leicester are historically actually a yo-yo club. Um, yeah, but you know, with the, with the squad yo-yo. they had, the squad they had, you know, the, yeah. the, you, you, beginning of the season, you wouldn't have thought them to be relegation fodder. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, give them a number, then, Goglin. Oh, I'll give them a four. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, more than I expected. Yes. Same here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. they play good football. They played some good football. I was just you know, Brandon Rogers just overstayed his. I think. He just stayed a bit too long. Where, could can, can some can someone remind me when did he get the sack? Uh, it was quite late, ten right? games from the end. Yeah, yeah. Oh, March really, I think. Yeah, March. Really but at least Leicester have got players they can sell. Yeah. They'll they'll get some money in for Madison and Harvey Barnes, probably one or two others. They probably yeah. get a hundred million from their sales. Whereas Leeds Leeds won't hardly get anything. Yeah. I mean, well, what about Rutter? Rutter is still on. Junior Rutter is still on there, right? Uh, Rutter, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they won't he, get much for him. Yeah, they paid a thirty-five Bradson million. Yeah. Well, well yeah. Mean, meanwhile, Dodgy though, deal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the lawyers will go through this one first. Uh, meanwhile, though, Des Southampton, Southampton got relegated. They have saved me the trouble of ever having to mention Southampton again because I always forget to mention Southampton. Didn't even know they were in the Premier League. Um, aside from the fact that uh, uh, Ward Prowse takes a very good free kick. Uh, I've got nothing else to say about Southampton. Uh, same here. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I Takes a good them. corner as well. <laughs> I, I watched them at Tottenham on the first day of the season. I was I was uh, privileged to be in a, a seat at, at Tottenham in their wonderful stadium. And I thought Southampton were abject. From that moment, I have had them being relegated. Since then, they went through Ralph Hasenhutl, who'd possibly overstayed his welcome there. They went through Nathan Jones, who had played against when I was a kid. So I was very hopeful that Nathan Jones would be able to do something for Southampton. But he didn't and was got rid of very, very quickly. And um, they were dreadful from the very start. A couple of little glimpses that they had um, some young players uh, Valia, the uh, central midfielder. Um, uh, I, I, I liked uh, the goalkeeper, uh, Bazunu, Bazunu as well, but a 19-year-old goalkeeper isn't going to stem the flow. Uh, I, I don't know where they go. It is James Ward-Prowse, full stop. You're not going to score a lot of goals if you've got Che Adams and uh, Armstrong leading your line. Uh, so um, they're going to have to rebuild. May, uh, they'll get the 100 million from the from the relegation and the, uh, the 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 payments that you get for teams going down. They'll make money out of World Prowse, but not a lot because he's, uh, is he 28 now, 28, 29? Mm. So, um, so he's not a hundred million pound player. He's a, he's a 40 million pound player and not for one of the big clubs. Uh, they've got young players coming through. Um, don't think they'll stay with the coach. So they've got to do a Burnley. Burnley completely threw the kitchen sink out and uh, went for a new coach in Vincent Company and got themselves up, changed the way they played after their relegation. I think Southampton are going to have to do something very similar. I don't see any really redeeming features from them or their season. Um, I had them going down from day one and uh, I was I was dead right again. Okay. All right. We'll give it a number then out of 10. 
Um, well, they, bizarrely six because they did exactly as I expected them to. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's hard to give numbers to the, the relegated ones, isn't it? It, it, it is. I mean, but they 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 did as well as you could expect them to with the squad that they had. Right. Well, at the moment we've got Chelsea at the bottom of the league. Uh, they're going to get relegated in in the uh, just for kicks league. By the way, minus one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, well, we'll take a break now. And in a moment, we'll come back and we'll talk. Well, let's find out. We're going to talk Malaysian football for sure. For sure. Here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Welcome back to part four, Just for Kicks with Gogolin, Bob and Des. And now we just want to talk about, before we go to Malaysian football and indeed in Malaysia, uh, do you want to talk about the teams that have been promoted. And so we have to talk, therefore, about Burnley, Sheffield United, and little old Luton. So let's really talk about uh, Burnley. Bob, Burnley won the championship with over 100 points. <laughs> and uh, with Vincent Company in charge, they they look and sound like a real proposition. And they're playing they're playing football, attractive, flowing, attacking football. Absolutely. I think I'd have to give them a 10 out of 10. Uh, most unexpected. I don't yeah. think they were <laughs> everybody's favorites when they went down uh, to bounce back. And certainly not Dez's. Um, he spent the entire season uh, slagging them off when they were under Sean Dyche, of all right. people. Right. Um, they didn't play much football. Uh, they didn't score many goals, but they didn't let in many either. So they hung on and hung on season after season. But they reinvented themselves, they changed the managers, and they took a gamble on Vincent Company, who's well known as the uh, centre-back and captain of Man City, uh, a, a legend up there. But we didn't know what he was like as a manager. But he did okay in Belgium, and he applied for the job, and he got it. Even that was a surprise that they should give it <laughs> yeah, to him. No. Never mind take him take them to the title. But he he was an absolute revelation. And he changed, completely changed the style of play from this uh, old-fashioned negativity of Wimbledon-style play. They were an attacking side. But with the and same was, players or is it a brand was, new No, no, he changed. He changed quite a few. There were one or two, one or two, surprisingly, who, who did actually seem to change. But um, no, they uh, they spent some money, not not a huge amount, but uh, enough. Uh, and for a centre back, you know, sometimes you get these impressions, don't you, from players, what they were like as a player, what will they be like as a manager? And I think it's always harder to imagine that a, a defender, a, a tough, hard tackling defender will actually play attacking football. But this is what they did, mm. and he's, he's behind it. And he was a real rabble-rouser in the dressing room, apparently. His team talks were inspirational. And, I mean, there's talk of him eventually succeeding Pep. Oh, for sure. In, in for a sure. year or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe it's a long shot, but well, he made uh, such an impression. Let, let, let me ask uh, Des, how, how do you think they're, they're going to fare in the uh, Premier League? So one of the issues that Burnley had is they had a lot of loan players. They had uh, Howard Bellis on from Man City, Nathan Teller, who was their best player on loan from Southampton. Now, if he goes back to Southampton, Burnley have got a problem. Uh, they also had Michael Obafemi, who scored a lot of goals on loan from Swansea. So, yes, they completely, radically changed the way they play, but the players they had didn't belong to them. 
And that is is a problem. Um, and we saw that, I think, with uh, Forrest last year, Bob, in that yes, most of your did. players were, uh, were on loan. And then you had to go and sign effectively two teams before um, you were able to get a, a team um, that, that, that knew how to play alongside each other. So I think that might be a problem for Burnley. That's a cash issue. But um, Vincent Company has come in and he's got them playing attack-minded football. And yeah, I love teams who go out and attack. So uh, if they can sign players, great. If they can't, big problems. Yeah. And Goglan, uh, I don't know if you've been watching the the, the internets, but uh, there have been all these memes uh, with like a, a photograph of a hole in the ground saying, this is the front door to the Luton uh, Stadium. <laughs> How can they yeah, possibly? Yeah, that, that, that thing that uh, one of our great shared on that group was hilarious, right? Oh, the VAR, <laughs> the on-field referee going across the room to check Sky Sports. <laughs> well, yes. Well, they're, they're planning to have to spend 10 million just to... to Put their stadium. Well, isn't up. that like a certain code of uh, listing for the Premier League for stadiums? Yeah, well, yeah, so yeah. That, yeah. And they're going so to have to spend. Yeah. Oh, is that what you're referring yeah, to? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, your team Aston Villa went down, then came back up. Do these teams sound like they're prepared for the campaign coming up? I think uh, what after what all these uh, teams that came up they, did, I think a lot they have learned their lesson not to spend like Fulham when they first came up. You know. They've got all this money and it's time about how you rebuild the squad. Again, Luton will be one of the relegation candidates going forward for every pundit beginning of the season. But it's how you build. And for them, in the, the season in the, in the sun is what you call it, right? For a team like Luton, this is the opportunity. And if they can stay up for the next three seasons, we will see the, we will see the, uh, the return of Luton. Yeah, well, they have to do what Nottingham Forest did, which is, uh, you know, as Des said, but by like you know, I to say something anybody who is I passing just, by. <laughs> I want to say Forest, you know, I, I, I would think Forest, we watched the Villa Forest game together. And at that point, I thought Forest were going down because they couldn't buy a goal. But, you know, I we, and then they just turned it around. The belief in their squad and uh, what's that player? Awani. Awani. Awani of France. Scored yeah, the goals. Scored yeah. the goal, got the goals. And that was what the difference was. And at one point they could not buy a goal that Villa game both teams were atrocious but you know they yeah absolutely we said so at the time yeah, yeah. We, we thought Forest would go down there at the, at the time yeah a joint uh, Villa Forest uh, viewing session yeah. and I think just about everybody thought that uh, Forest would go down after that well, and I really, your, did, hold, I really didn't want them to go down because they had fans. Hold you know. your horses. We're going to be doing Forest Talk next time and we can all give them 10 out of 10 then. Okay? <laughs> Only 10. <laughs> <laughs> we can turn it up to 11. How's that? Uh, Des, meanwhile, turn to you. Tell us what's been happening in the Malaysian football scene. Well, it was FA Cup week uh, last week. Um, Johor played Penang and Johor beat Penang 5-0. Uh, so Johor in the Cup and the league are, are going on. It reverts back to the best result of the weekend, by the way. Kuala Lumpur City beat um, uh, Sabah in Kota Kinabalu, which is, was a fabulous result. So the semi-finals, Tringanu versus KL City and Johor uh, taking on Selangor. So look out for that one. That's at, at the end of, of June. It's um, a double matches in the league this week. So there's games on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And I'm going to turn the pressure on Johor here because they played 12. There's, there's, um, in, in the league, there are 26 matches. Johor's record is played 12, won 12, 49 goals scored, one conceded. Mm. So they win games on average 4-0. I'm wondering whether or not in their mind is a, a perfect season, a, a 26 wins out of 26. I'm wondering whether they are thinking that yet. Uh, they, they've got two games um, this week. They play at Penang, 
who they beat 5 0 uh, last week. They play them on Saturday. And then they're at Tranganu, which is an awkward little trip. So uh, the, 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 the 26 out of 26 might be over by, uh, by next Friday. But I think this Johor team are strong enough and perhaps motivated enough to, to perhaps be thinking of that. Very few teams have done it. Rangers did it in 1888. Um, nobody has done it in 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 um, in, in Britain uh, since. Not even the Invincibles of, of Preston North End. So a perfect season is the target. Only halfway through, and I think we can start to look at that. My maths is not good enough to be able to cope. But if they were, if their average of four goals uh, per game was to continue, and they had the the perfect run, they would end up scoring. I, I, I can't I can't calculate. I can't do well, it. over hundred. So twenty six wow. by four can. Twenty six yeah. by four can. Come on. Even then, I'm sorry. You've lost me. (laughs) (laughs) You lost me at 26. Um, Okay. And breaking news, Goglan, Malaysia in the the national game uh, also had a a victory. Uh, Are you referring to the foot golf? Yeah. 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 So a big shout out to the foot golf Malaysian team. They made it to the quarters. They're playing, I think, tonight or morning, tomorrow morning. I'm not really sure. So, you know, big shout out to them. They beat Brazil and Chile. This uh, is a seven-a-side tournament in the United States, isn't it? Isn't it? Is that the one, Gogs? Foot golf, foot golf. Oh, foot golf. Yeah, ah, that foot golf. How, team. how do you how do you play foot golf? What is what is the the how what? Yeah, it's like golf but with a football. And there's a World Cup going on in Orlando right now, and Malaysia is in the quarters. Wow, wow. Mm. Surprising... They beat they beat uh, Brazil five-one and Chile five-two. It's one of those kind of surprising areas where where Malaysia uh, succeed, like in in uh, dodgeball. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, who knew? Suddenly, Malaysia's actually the champions of dodgeball. Malaysian sports, do, Malaysian sports does well when it flies under the radar. We'll get into the sea games, huh? Although they're changing the rules a little bit, but let's get into the sea games. Yeah. Okay. Well, that brings us to the end of uh, this week's show. Kind of a two-parter. The the second half of the alphabet will be covered uh, next week. In the meantime, though, enjoy your FA Cup. You'll all be watching it. I assume. What time is it on, by the way? It's the old uh, traditional time of 3 p.m. in the UK, which is 10 p.m. here. Which is Saturday. It's a good time. Good yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's uh, because of rail strikes, by the way. Over yeah, there. is it? I was wondering <laughs> why they moved it. Oh, well, they yeah. wouldn't do it for the fans, would they? No. Uh, no, never. Well, also in a vain attempt to keep them sober, I think, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> no chance. No chance. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much to Bob Holmes. Thanks, everybody, and enjoy the FA Cup final. Mm. Throwback to the old days. Uh-huh. And Goglan. Enjoy, lads, ladies. We'll see you guys for one final time next week. Mm-hmm. And Des Corkill. Yeah, and don't forget the local football. Keep an eye out on what's going on. Astro Arena are doing a good job covering all of the matches, as well as that little match of the FA Cup final. And uh, and thank you also to our producer, Hanif Baharudin, and, uh, and myself, Cam Rustland. Join us next time here on Just For Kicks on BFM 89.9. For more football, tune in Mondays and Fridays at 8pm. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.